Hello, this is MJ and we are going to continue right into part 2 of our Immersion Week session, what it takes to get started with us. Part 2 includes the Q&A where the panelists answer the audience's burning questions. Here we go. All right, I'm going to open up the floor to questions from the audience and all of you who think that this is a glamorous life, you can question that uh, our, our esteemed panelists because entrepreneurship is really in vogue so let's let's see if uh, our panelists can offer you some good advice who who's first up for a question hi there hi everybody yeah i have a question and it came up because i just loved hearing the stories of how everyone has gotten involved and pursued their venture ideas and their real like determination to solve a, a significant problem. And it came up in a previous session today and we heard from Barb Kinnear and she's CEO of, oh gosh, the name, the names escaped me, but one of our, uh, one of our team bio. Thank you. Thank you so much. One of the things she said, I appreciate that, Michelle. One of the things she said was that her science degree and her academic backgrounds her, have set her up so well to sort of pivot into business or to assume a role like she'd never expected for herself as a CEO. And I'm just wondering from all of you, I, I'm always so admir admiring of like the background and foundations you have coming from science. So I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts to share, if you agree with her conclusion there. Well, let's start with you, Miriam. Can you add to that? Um, yeah, it's definitely something our professors always told us. They said, you can always teach a chemist the, the business side, but it's more difficult to teach a business person the science side i'm not sure if i agree with the second part because i'm sure you can still learn those concepts as well um but i think it definitely helps you because you learn this analytical and strategic thinking and you really learn how to dig deep into problems how to solve them finding ways to um to find a solution to a certain problem to improve processes and that's something that i really enjoy doing um, and I was always more interested in the applied research anyways, to really find a solution to, to a problem out there and, and to make it more, um, more successful or more, more economic feasible. And um, yeah, I definitely think that the, that the science background helps to, to tackle some of those pro uh, problems. What about you, Ina? Do you agree? Yeah, I can agree with that too. Um... I think especially because I'm kind of on like the research side of things in my business on top of kind of uh, dipping into the business side as well. It's like the science side, maybe because I'm a little biased because I um, come from a background with it. I feel like it's like a little bit hard to gain sometimes the details and depth of knowledge that you need to know um, in terms of how maybe a product might be used in a field, like even with the experience of the background of myself and, um, the other, my other co-founders and my other, um, coworkers, we still need to consult with other people who are more experienced in different areas. So that just kind of tells us, um, that there's areas in science that we just don't know yet, but that still goes the same way for business too. Like we still needed to join EA entrepreneurship in order to learn the business side of things and marketing and everything. So, um, there definitely are some overlap in terms of how we think critically about things, but there are depths of knowledge on each side that you might not know until you fully dive into it or ask someone else who knows about it. Right. I mean, I can certainly do that. I, I mean, 
earlier on when I introduced myself, I told you that I never finished my graduate degree in biochemistry. But when I went off to business school, it was a completely different culture for me because the, the way we were taught to think to become a scientist is very different than the way we were taught to be good business people. Whereas I think of uh, scientists thinking linearly, you, you, you pursue a particular path, you hit a decision point, you make a decision, you, then you keep going, you make another decision and so on and so forth. Whereas in business, it's much more of a hub and spoke. And yet, Jure, you, you made a good point, you know, about coming back to your customers. So you go out, you experiment, you come back to the customer. What does the customer want? Try again, pivot, go out, come back. So it's much more of a hub and spoke type of thinking. I think we have another question. Is it from Michelle? Yes, Michelle. Yes, yes. hi everyone. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing your insights. It's such a challenge to um, be an entrepreneur at any level and certainly at an early stage, lots of things coming at you. Um, and appreciate, you know, the mindset that it takes to sort of transition from, you know, whether it's the science or the work you've been doing in academia to running a business. And so I guess I was wondering, um, and I appreciate obviously you're, you're working with entrepreneurship at UBC, but, you know, outside of that, um, if there are, you know, mentors or people that you have been sort of going to for guidance or consult that has sort of helped you um, I guess, kind of wrap your heads around some of the bigger challenges that now being in the spotlight of an entrepreneur, um, you know, is presenting. I know. Why don't you kick us off on that one? So we actually do contact our mentor that we were able to get in contact with through entrepreneurship quite a bit for the kinds of background knowledge that she knows about on how to run business and the business side of things. And it's really nice because the experience she has, I feel like offers a really nice perspective from her about how our uh, company is and how we are um, presenting ourselves. Because uh, one thing that we kind of realize that we are is we really like the idea of our product. To us, it seems like it's a great idea and we could see how it could be used. But one thing that we needed to know is how it might seem or how it might seem to be useful to someone else who is not us. Um, and so I feel like our mentor really helps with trying to get that perspective and telling us what we should do with uh, how to come get our message and our device across to more people. And Miriam, what's been your experience? Um, yeah, that was basically one of my first steps that I took to assemble an advisory board. Um, and I reached out to a previous employer who is a serial entrepreneur um, and um, asked him if, if he would be willing to, to be my mentor and to if I could ask him some tough questions about um, his experience when he started his bioplastics company and um, if he has any advice of what he would do differently now that he, that he knows how, how the whole process worked. And um, we're communicating um, regularly and I'm, I'm asking him questions about the general process of how do you, how do you start the company, what is the legal side and all those things. And, and he explained a lot of those uh, processes to me and he also suggested um, to get input and to get uh, participate in those courses to, to learn more. And then uh, two other mentors that I have, one is um, a good business friend who, um, who has a greenhouse gas accounting um, consulting company here in Vancouver. And he has experience um, abroad from Hong Kong to the US and Germany and, and of course here also in Canada. 
Um, and he has the German background, so he, he, gets, he gives me the feedback really straightforward and uh, without sugarcoating, and I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's definitely helpful. And of course, the great mentor network at UBC is super helpful as well. Thanks, Miriam. What about you, Yajur? Yeah, the main piece of advice that I would have, like something that's really helped us on our journey is having a network of mentors, essentially acting like, like an umbrella, like a group of umbrellas covering us in areas that we may not have as much expertise in or helping us understand pieces of our business or pieces of our business plan that help us get us to market and help us really establish ourselves. Like we have had some awesome people give us advice about IP, the legal side, including one of the esteemed E at UBC entrepreneurs and residents. So thank you again. Uh, and just like talking to like people and understanding like what you can learn from them and just, it doesn't have to be like a formal mentor mentee relationship. Like, you know, you don't have to like go Hogwarts with it, you know, be like, okay, he's the grand uh, teacher, you know, like uh, Dumbledore or something, you know, it's like, you can like have and find people around you who can teach you things. And so, like I said, just being, keeping your eyes open, being really aware and being willing to listen to people. So thank you. Well, it's really important to have a network of advisors to help with different things. As an angel investor, you know, when we're looking to invest in companies, it's, it's never, surprisingly, it's never about the widget. And it's not what the product is, is, you know, whether it's a molecule or an algorithm or a gearbox for manufacturing, it's never about the widget, but about how, how to build a business around it and that part of that chain of building a business you're looking at supply chain to build the widget and then you're looking at sales channels to sell the widget so can any of you please uh, talk about that type of chain yeah Jure, let's start with you yeah so as i was like talking about before our initial beachhead target market target use case essentially got snowed out by COVID. So it wasn't so much going back to the drawing board, but going back to like the sales and positioning board and understanding, okay, like how can we use the things or product or widget already does really well or other assets and things that we're already working and thinking about. Uh, we have a few other side products that we're also working on in the background to also start to bring to market or to test and validate because that will give us more options in the future. Because what we realized was, was that maybe going with a single product approach may not be the best versus going with a more portfolio based approach that's building on our own abilities within our team. Because then we can more rapidly bring things closer to market or increase the stability and increase the volume of like cash flow coming in and out of the business. So it's easier for us to scale faster when we do have those big wins that do require a lot of capital outlay to really capture. Great. Thanks a lot, Yajur. Aina, do you have an experience about building your supply chain to make your widget and then selling it through the channels? We're not quite at the point where we are able to uh, sell our product right now. Um, 
we are at this moment just using 3D printing to try to develop different versions actually of how our product could be could look like because what we found is that um, although the point of it in the conception is to just or sorry the concept is to just uncap a needle and then dispose of it um, we also found that through just consulting with different people including our mentor and talking with different people about it is that we could adjust make adjustments to it to have a variety of different products and kind of expand on one idea instead so we don't quite have a supply chain ready or a single product ready to be sold yet but um, we have one product that we were able to expand into a few that we could now work with. Do you have any customer input, not customers and paying customers, but user input into designing your widget, your, your, um, your product? Yes. So that was one of the things that helped quite a bit. We approached a couple people from different industries. So one would be like, uh, so this product could be used in a location where you're using needles. And one of that locations is animal facilities or veterinarians. So we consulted with um, a facility manager at a, in a um, laboratory. And we also consulted with the head of an animal hospital. And so with both of them, we consulted on how can we make this product more usable? How could we make this product more attractive to them to purchase? And we use that to, um, use as input into how we could modify our product to uh, make it just more attractive and viable. What about you, Miriam? Um, yes, I might be um, in a really early stage still with the, with the company. So um, I've made a few prototypes basically at home. I bought some cement and sand and started mixing that in my backyard and put it into little ice cube trays. Um, so I haven't quite figured out <laughs> the um, supply chain yet. Um, I started making some connections with the engineering department at UBC to scale up the process and to actually use some industrial equipment and, and not doing all the, the mixing and, and drying at home. Um, but that might, that's something for, for the later stage. So at the moment, I'm really looking for the product market fit, which is the best market to target. Because um, from, from customer discovery, we found that the North American market does not really have the scent shortage issues. Um, they have sent for at least the next 80 years, maybe even more. We're even exporting sand to the U.S. So in, in Canada, it's not a big issue. Um, it's more in the U.S. and probably um, mid, Middle Eastern and um, Asian countries where that's a concern and where we would have the most um, environmental impact as well. Um, so it's more learning more about those markets and how to... Uh, how to introduce our product there. Also, the construction market is really conservative, um, slow to innovate. Um, they're building codes, regulations about sand sizes and, and everything. So um, it, it looks like it's going to be a long journey anyways to, um, to introduce the material into the market. Um, but yeah, so the, the supply chain thing, it's, it's something that we are going to work on, on in the future, definitely. Well, it certainly is a journey. Did do we have any other questions from the audience? Yes, Chang. So if you have a question in the audience, please do post it in the chat window, or you can raise your hand either virtually or on your screen after you turn on your video. Uh, we haven't seen any questions coming in yet, but I have a question for the panel. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of us here sound like you're from science, maybe from engineering. Uh, I myself did English literature at UBC, and I'm an entrepreneur. I'm definitely an example of, you don't have to be an engineer or a scientist 
to jump to entrepreneurship and to make great innovations. So I'd like to hear from each of the panelists, if they could go back and redo their education, if they could go back to UBC now, what would they study? Or would they study the same thing? Or would they go study something else? Let's start with you, Miriam. Oh, that's a great question. And I always ask myself the same thing if I would ever would study chemistry again and if I would pursue a PhD degree again, because it doesn't really seem necessary. It's almost overkill. Um, but on the other hand, I really appreciate the, um, the background and the whole learning of how to stick with, with one thing for three to five years and to really, um, really work on it and, and be and, and uh, show perseverance. And even if there, there are always problems coming up during, during your um, research and so on. So I think it's, um, it's, it's definitely helpful to have this experience. Um, I might study maybe something more into engineering or biotechnology, um, but I don't think that I would completely switch into a, into a different field. Is that the same story with you, Ina? Yeah, I feel like I quite liked what I studied, what I ended up studying and what I'm currently studying uh, now. And I really don't think I would have been able to get the kind of background that I have to be able to help the company in the way that I currently do. Um, and nor would I actually, I don't think I'd actually be in the position where I would able to be um, part of the company that I'm with now. Maybe I could do something different, but the type of environment that I'm in with the people I work with is just so good that I really don't think that, uh, like it's possible, but I really think that this is um, something that I'm, pretty happy with at this moment. Is that your experience, Yajur? Yeah, because like, I'm really happy with the path I ended up taking from an overall perspective. I guess there are, if I had the chance to like do like, you know, rewind and like rerun it, uh, TV remote style, maybe taking a few more courses related to entrepreneurship. Um, and of course, to all the people who are listening in who are still uh, at UBC, check out some of the courses that uh, integrate entrepreneurship or some of the courses that allow for students from outside of that faculty to join in because there's a few uh, depending on your background. So I know engineers can uh, go to business courses. Um, and so, you know, just be open to it. Well, some things you can't learn in school. So here's a really great question from Allison. Uh, while I've got you, Yajur, as an early stage venture, how are you working to build company culture? So one of the things that we're doing is that we are finding companies whose values we admire. So for example, we have a list of companies that we're like, okay, these are the things about this company that we really value. So we really value the openness and dedication to innovation coming out of Tesla but then some of their other practices may not be the best. But then we're like, oh, there's Patagonia, there's like Ben and Jerry's, and there's the general idea of us wanting to become a B corporation and really having an integrated social purpose and value purpose inside of the company. And so we have like our guiding North Star, and then we also actively talk about it with uh, people who are either working with us or with people that we interact with. And we ask them those kind of questions too. Because what's really important is to not just like have something that's like written down and like you stick to a wall and gathers dust and 
you know, you end up turning into like a um, Theranos. I know it's a bad word, but you know, it's just like really having an active engagement with your values throughout your company and throughout the business nearly every day. Great. And how about you, Ina? I think in terms of building uh, the culture of how we are as a business together, I feel like it stems from how we decide who we hire from the hiring process, um, who we decide to take on from there. And it might be different from startup to startup, but from what I've seen, it seems like it's really important to hire on people who maybe if they don't have the necessary experience, but if they're at least passionate about what they're doing or passionate about joining, um, I think that the skills that they would need to know can be taught, but what might not be as easy to teach is um, their self uh, motivation and their passion and their ability to keep on with the project and help us keep working on it. Miriam? Yeah, I can basically second what Jojo and, and Ina said. Um, I haven't found the um, the North Star yet, the company that I that I would try to um, to follow in their um, in their culture. Um, but it's definitely something I'm I'm looking into at the moment. I am the company. Um, there are no other employees. I have um, I have an intern working for me at the moment. Um, and uh, as Ina said, it was important for me to see that she is um, interested in sustainability, has this environmental interest in really um, helping, doing something positive, um, having an impact on, on the, um, uh, yeah, making, making an impact in the world. And um, so that would be something that I would be looking at, at um, additional hires as well to make sure that they fit into, into this and um, really want to bring or see the vision of the company and want to bring that forward and help. Thanks, Miriam. One last thing, Miriam, because we're just about out of time. I'm going to ask each of the panels, what's the one tip that you're going to give to aspiring entrepreneurs? Uh, get a whole bunch of mentors to help you. And <laughs> as much as help and information as you can. All right. Thanks, Miriam. That's two. That was a bonus. Ina. I would say just network, always network. Having connections is really important and you never know how, who you meet, no matter who they are might, or where you are, might be able to help you in the future. Thanks, Ina. Let's round it out. Yajor, bring it in. All right, rounding it out, rounding it out. Uh, just, you don't have to like dive head first if you're not sure. You can roll around in it. Talk to entrepreneurs, talk, uh, get in touch with like people at UBC, people at CDL, people at like other accelerators and mentors and systems. Just like get a sense and a feel for it because regardless of where you go, you're always gonna be doing things entrepreneurially in one way or another. So just be open to it. Thank you. Thank you to all the panelists, Miriam, Aina, Yajur. I'm now gonna hand it back to Chang. Thank you for joining us and we hope to see you next time. In the meantime, stay safe and stay healthy.